Welcome to the Money Insights Podcast, where high income earners come to learn wealth building strategies that will take them from high income to high net worth. With your hosts, financial and wealth building experts, Christian Allen and Rod Zabriskie. Welcome into another episode of the Money Insights Podcast, the alternative wealth building podcast for high income earners. My name's Christian Allen. I'm here with my co-host, Rod the Pod Zabriskie. Rod, what is up? Hey, hey, I'm doing great. Rod doing great. the Pod, man. I love the mug. Yeah, it, I love the mug. It's fun. It's fun. It just adds a little element to it. And, uh, you know. Yeah. Roll. Okay. Well, Rod, today I'm excited. We're going to be talking about hedge funds. That's yes. a fun topic. It's yeah. like a buzzword, right? It's And when I say it's a buzzword, it's like always a buzzword because hedge funds are like, the coolest of the cool type of investments. Yeah. And one right? of those things you hear a lot about and yet not many people know much about them. Yeah. It's like when you throw out sovereign wealth funds and things like that, <laughs> everyone's like, Ooh, it's Ooh. sovereign. Wow. Yes. Uh, hedge funds. Wow. Okay. We're, but we're going to talk about hedge funds yep. because the reality is, is that uh, with the, with many people who are listening to this being uh, high income earners and many being, also, or having a high net worth, there is oftentimes, or there may be opportunities to look at hedge funds as an opportunity inside of the overall uh, investment strategy. Yep. So before we get into that, Rod, a couple quick things. First, want to just remind everybody that the next live webinar is coming up in just a few days. It's on September 14th at 11 a.m. Mountain Time. Our topic is smart leverage and the title, Rod. Amplifying returns with strategic debt. Yes, sir. Okay. I came up with that myself. So yep. I'm really excited about it. Now, to be fair, I didn't come up with any of the content that's in it. So that's all on you. Yeah, Brennan and I will be uh, putting that on. We're excited. Yeah, that's going to be Brennan and uh, Rod the Pod. Okay. So let's all, oh, yeah, yeah, one more thing, Rod. I, I almost forgot it again. Whew. In the Facebook group, Investment Strategies for High Income Earners. Again, if you're not a member of the Facebook group, go become a member. Um, you probably have an email from us if you're in our data database that's inviting you. Um, but the announcement or the reminder was that I started doing a question of the week. Mm -hmm. So I guess just a couple days ago, well, when this, by the, by the time this one comes out, I will have done it for, you know, five or six weeks, but yeah. I've done it for two or three, I guess three weeks now. And uh, we're just starting to get a little bit of traction. So Look for the question of the week, and if you get a chance to take 30 seconds and participate, let people you know share your knowledge, your experience with other people, it just makes everybody all the better. Yeah, build a little more of a community feel. Build the community. Okay, let's get back to hedge funds, Rod. So yes. uh, hedge funds are interesting, and part of the reason I thought it was useful to have this conversation is because hedge funds have significant influence in the world, if for no other reason than it's the ultra, ultra wealthy who are putting massive amounts, oftentimes massive and and institutions, right? So it could be <laughs> ultra wealthy families. It could also be um, institutional money. Those are kind of the places that generally that you generally see playing uh, in the hedge fund space. And because of the sheer amount of money there, it moves markets. Yeah, it does. So. For that reason alone, it's relevant. And I think at least understanding kind of the basics of what it is 
And, you know, for the right people, it could be something to consider looking into as, again, an overall um, element of a strategic financial plan. Yeah. And on that point, I actually found something interesting. So uh, as of last year, so 2022, uh, they said that there was roughly four and a half trillion dollars in hedge funds and that there were about 15,000 total hedge funds being managed, probably about 70 percent of those in the U.S., or in North America is what they said. But anyway, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that's super interesting. Thanks, Rod. Okay. While you're uh, throwing out knowledge, Rod, why mm-hmm. don't you take a minute and tell us what a hedge fund even is? As yeah, a starting for sure. Okay, so let's, it, it gets pretty complex, but let's start at the most basics. And I'm going to okay. create an analogy between what, what people already know in, in real estate syndications, because that's very similar. So in a syndication, you have a general partner, uh, that that's the person or persons that are going out and buying the, the property. They're kind of taking the lead on it, but they're looking for investors. So limited partners get involved as investors in a syndication. Very similar to that. So a hedge fund manager is the general partner and these accredited investors, institutional investors uh, get involved as limited partners. They put their money in and the general manager, general hedge, the hedge fund manager is going out and investing those. And what are they investing in? Well, it's going to be a lot of different things. This is where it can start to get complicated because uh, they're investing in in the same kinds of like market types of things, stocks, commodities, et cetera, but not usually just going out and buying the assets directly. They're going to be buying options and derivatives and uh, using different risk management techniques, et cetera, uh, so that they're not just, it's not just, uh, I want to own this stock, but it's looking at the stock and saying, do I think that the value of this is going to go up in the future or is it going to going to go down? And depending on the answer to that, then, you know, you're buying a long or a short or, or whatever, like all, all those different, you know, things. That's what the hedge fund manager is doing. Okay. Rod, here's a question. Yeah. Well, what do you think the difference between like private equity is and like a hedge fund? What, what are some of the differences that come to mind? Yeah, it's a good question. Because in some, in some ways, they're the same, right? Um, but, they but are I very think, similar. I think the differences primarily are in the what, what they're investing in. So like with the private equity, you're usually investing in uh, a business. Could be a, a group of businesses, but often it's like very narrow focus. This is what we're doing. You jump on board and you get, and you get in there. With a hedge fund... Now, some hedge funds could be more narrow in focus, but in a lot of cases, they're they're very broad. Like depending on the expertise of the hedge fund manager, they're going after a lot of different uh, asset classes, different assets inside of those classes. And so it's much more broad-based, more market-based. Yeah. And one of the other things that I understand is that they're... There's a difference between them and that one is open-ended and the other is closed-ended. Oh, yeah. Okay. So generally speaking, in a private equity deal, that's a closed-ended deal. You're raising a certain amount of capital and then you're going and investing it and you might have you know, different types of liquidity, usually less liquidity, Yeah. right? Now, there are liquidity restrictions inside of a hedge fund, but they're normally investing in public companies. It's more like the, the sophistication, the technology those types of things that they're imploring that kind of make them really unique and different. And, and I would say that you're because of the fee structure, it also 
brings in the expertise of the very, very best fund managers. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So combination of a few of those things. Okay. So we talked about the structure. We talked about the investment strategies. One of the other things that's interesting, Rod, is that uh, a hedge fund will invest with leverage. Yep. Right. Which of course, when I'm talking about leverage, I'm differentiating it from something like a mutual fund mm -hmm. that's, or even just a traditional stock, right? I invest in the stock. Well, inside of a hedge fund, they'll actually uh, utilize leverage and oftentimes in quite significant ways. We always, we always talk about using conservative leverage. Yeah. Um, hedge funds might be a little bit more aggressive than our conservative leverage. Yep. Uh, but of course, if you have a good, good fund manager with an incredible track record, right? It still might be worth it. And I also will say this, like it's important for people to know hedge funds are known to be a riskier asset, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Just by the nature of their goal, which is basically to produce a return and do it regardless of what the market's doing, right? Yep. Like the expectation is that you can beat the market regardless of what it's doing. And so, you know, that's where it got the name, like, Hedge, it hedges against things. It just happened to be that it's evolved that to the point where it's not always a risk management play anymore. Oftentimes, it's a more of an aggressive return play. Yep. But interesting. Okay, so let, let's talk about the fee structure, Rod. Fee structure is very different in the hedge fund space, and it's because they do something. They add an element that that the more regulated type of funds don't have. So. Mm -hmm. It's pretty typical for us to see a mutual fund fee that's, you know, two or 3% or something like that, right? Yeah. Um, in the hedge fund world, we'll see a sa the same kind of baseline fee that exists most often. Um, but in addition, there's a performance fee. Yeah. So the performance fee ends up being, and I've, I've heard based on what I was reading, there is some, there's been some pushback on this, especially in the last couple of years, but a typical fee structure is like two and 20. Mm -hmm. I think I've mentioned this on the pod before, but 2% yep. base fee, 20% of the actual return. So if the, which is pretty wild, right? So if you think about a, a hedge fund that manages a uh, hundred million dollars, that would be probably a small one, right? Let's say it's a hundred million dollars, a mm -hmm. small hedge fund. And even in that situation, if they were able to grow it by 20 million well, they, they collected pretty well, right? Yeah. So aside from that, anyway, so that's probably why, Rod, you can go to like the Forbes richest 100 people in the world. And it feels like when you're in that top 20. Now, I, to be fair, I haven't done this in a little while. So it might yeah. this this might be a little outdated. But years ago, when I remember doing that, I felt like like half the people in the top 20 were hedge fund managers. Yeah. So well, there's something to this hedge fund management thing. And it's interesting because that's actually one of the criticisms of uh, mutual fund managers is that they're not incentivized to drive the market higher. The, all they're incentivized to do is gather assets. If they have the assets and they're getting their 2% fee or whatever it is, it doesn't matter whether the, I shouldn't say it doesn't matter. They do want it to go up because then it obviously does make make what they earn higher. Um, but what this does is it, it has that element to it, but it's more incentivized because they get a percentage of every, an extra percentage of every increase that they're able to create. Yeah, and that and that is a huge differentiator, right? Like anytime you add that uh, additional element, 
of performance. And and again, in that case, it's like incentive performance. Yep. It's not, it's not just do this or you lose your job, which is probably what the mutual fund, you know, managers are dealing with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm sure they can't just like run it back year after year, you know, pushing out terrible returns and anyway. Um, okay. Well, I think that's a big deal. I mean, the fee structure is a very different aspect. And of course, the reason the question you have to ask yourself is why in the world would I be willing to pay somebody a two and a 20? Mm-hmm. Doesn't that seem crazy, Rod? Well, if it does what it's supposed to do, and because you, you, yes, you're sharing some of the gains with them. So in other words, the hedge fund manager may or may not be putting any of their own money into it. They're, what, what they're getting out of it for their time and their expertise and, and all this is the two and 20 or, or whatever that structure is. And so you're sharing the gains with them. You, you get a quote unquote lower return because you've shared that with them. So you're only going to do it if you, if you really do feel like that getting with the right hedge fund manager is going to give you a net return, like after sharing that with them, giving you a better return than you would get in other places. Yeah, I, I'm of the attitude. I always tell people like, would you rather, would you rather, I'll, I'll just throw some numbers out there. Would you rather get a 20% return and give up 20% of that? Or would you rather get a 12% return and just call it good? Yeah, right? Like right. at the end of the day, I don't care what someone gets paid. In fact, I love that they get paid well to do a good job. Now, the challenge here, of course, is that there's no guarantees that right. that, that hedge funds are going to outperform the the regular the rest of the market. Yep. So anyway, it's interesting. Okay, uh, Rod. Another kind of element is that there's far less regulation inside the the hedge fund space because it still plays in that alternative world where. You know, they're not dealing with, ah, I should have written down the actual uh, law that differentiates between hedge funds and like mutual funds. I did not do that. So I don't, I can't speak to that, but I know that there are some significant uh, differentiators that are, again, putting more regulation on the mutual fund and far less regulation, which again, can be good and bad, right? We talk about sure. this all the time in all the alternative space as a whole, because it's the alternative space, it's like, it's, and again, like we both love and hate that it, that it has less regulation, right? Yeah. It gives us more opportunities in some situations, but it also, you know, puts more responsibility on the shoulder of the investor to make sure that they're doing due diligence. And it's something that's, yeah. And they just perform. You just know you're taking that, that higher risk. You know, there's going to be less transparency in in what you can see as compared again to mutual funds or things like that. Because what does the regulation force mutual funds to do? Creates that those kinds of uh, transparency. Okay, Rod, did you know what a lockup period was before our conversation here? Uh, I I didn't. You before... could probably guess though. Yeah, probably guess. Probably yeah. guess. Anyway, from a from a liquidity standpoint. Um, another kind of differentiator between mutual funds, just because just because everyone kind of understands how a mutual fund works, right? Mm-hmm. But one of the other differentiators is that mutual funds are generally going to be liquid all the time, whereas a uh, hedge fund likely will have lockup periods, which just means it's times where the money's locked up. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they may have times where they're like trying, like requesting more capital. Uh, so those elements are just a little bit different. And then the same thing on getting money back out, there's going to be a little bit more um, stipulation around yeah. what situations and when usually it'll be like monthly or quarterly or something like that. So yeah. it's still relatively liquid, but not as liquid as I want to, um, you know, sell my mutual fund on the open market and do it in the next five minutes. Yeah. And as you mentioned earlier, if you, if you're creating some sort of liquidity spectrum, mutual funds are on the far end of liquidity, the private equity and maybe some of the syndications and whatnot are on the other end of the look of the liquidity spectrum where there will be liquidity events that'll happen uh, from time to time uh, a property gets refinanced or it gets sold or whatever. And then that creates a liquidity event. Um, but that's less liquidity on a day-to-day, even year-to-year basis necessarily, whereas the hedge fund fits somewhere in between there. There are lockup periods or times yeah. where you don't have liquidity, but those opportunities for liquidity come up more frequently. And then part of that's because of what you mentioned also about the, the open-ended nature of it. They're in and out of different investments on a frequent basis. So there are times where where you are mm-hmm. locked down uh, because we're in a waiting period to see, to see what happens in the market on a, an option or whatever. Uh, but then that the timing is going to come out much more frequently than it, than it would on the, the private equity or other things. Well said, Rod. Well said. And, and I think it is a, an important point. So something to be thinking about. And Rod, I only have a couple more points on the what it is, and then we're going to kind of talk about, we're going to classify some of these as like, either benefits, things that we view as positive, or maybe like we want to make sure we hit on the criticisms too. So we're going to do both. Okay. But a couple more points before we hit on that. Um, There's high minimum investments. We talked about the fact that you have to be gentle. You definitely have to be accredited for hedge funds. Um, And then in addition to that, there's oftentimes significant minimums. So I don't know if I ever told you this, Rod. I probably have. But uh, when I first got married, uh, I was 22 when I got married and my wife was uh, nannying for like a, for a family in downtown Salt Lake on the avenues. And uh, the, the wife uh, was a OBGYN and the, and, and he was a hedge fund manager. Right. Okay. So they kind of both did. A, so I, every once in a while I would chat with him about kind of, what he was doing. And I would try to gather, you know, as much Intel on this stuff. Cause I was interested mm-hmm. as I could. And I remember asking him like, Oh, you know, how much money this is, this is really funny, Rod. Cause I had just, I'd sold a piece of property. Right. And so I'm thinking, Oh, I've got all this money. It was like a hundred grand. It was like uh-huh. big money yeah, right? yeah. for 22. And I'm yeah. thinking, I'm thinking like, there's probably, there's no barriers. I can't get by with this money. You know, I've got, I've mm-hmm. got it. So I was like, all right, my friend, how much do we need to invest? And he was like, he was like, yeah, we don't, we don't usually take anything under 5 million. And I was like, oh, shoot. Maybe the next <laughs> so, may, Yeah, maybe the next one. That's, that's going to take a little more build up. But it's interesting. Again, not every hedge fund is that high, right? right? There's, there's lower barriers to entry. Um, but the very best ones have even higher areas, uh, uh, barriers to entry. And Rod, we didn't hit on this. They have even higher fees, mm-hmm. right? I've heard of like four and 40. Yeah, that's so wild. Chew on that one. Yeah. 
so higher higher minimum to put it so you you can only participate if you have whatever 10 million plus and you're going to pay for and we're going to charge you no matter what much, and no matter you're going to pay 40 of any games yep I guess if you felt like Warren Buffett was on that team, you'd be like, well, he's, he's going to win most of the time. So yeah. might be yeah. worth it. Yeah. But it goes back to your, just the logical uh, conclusion, right? If you on your own, you feel like you can get, you know, X percentage, just do the math, the four and 40, if you're going to give up 40% of the gains, do, do you have the confidence that they're going to put you ahead? You just do the math. And let's just also add this. It is not, likely to be the bulk of a portfolio right? right it is very much in that riskier asset class because they're like their job is to i mean it's interesting because it says like a hedge fund like means hedge against risks mm -hmm. um and yet the like it's evolved into more of a return play than an actual hedger risk play although they do both of those things right Yep. Okay. Um, we talked about the portfolio, we talked about investment, minimum investments. We talked about the transparency. Okay, Rod, let's get into what we would view as kind of the primary benefits. Now, we've hit on just a bunch of, I don't know what you'd call them, facts or basic information about it. Now, I think the idea is to kind of categorize some of those things into where they fit into, you know, either benefits or things that you know, aren't so good. And we ought to be looking at as criticisms. Okay. So kick us off Rod with some of the benefits of hedge funds. Yeah. So the first one we have here is diversification. And we mentioned earlier that it depends on the hedge fund that you're involved with in terms of how narrowly focused they are or how broad, um, but the, you know, the idea here, and, and we, you know, we preach it across the board, regardless of what, what conversation we're having, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. Hedge fund is, becomes another potential basket altogether, uh, moving against like market downturns and et cetera, right? So because of the, of what they're doing with options, with derivatives, um, it's not just, again, if you're, if you're in the mutual funds or you're buying stocks, you just move with whatever the market does. Right or or if they pay dividends or whatever that that that's what happens with your investment. In this case, with the hedge fund manager, they're looking at what at trends. They're looking what what they think is going to happen, and they're buying options, etc., based on the direction they think it's going to go. So that you can even in a down market, you want or you expect that you're going to see gains in that situation. Hmm. Rod, you started by talking about the fact that we preach this idea of diversification all the time. Mm -hmm. And can I just say, I was having this like thought that was coming to me just the other day, right? So we know that the real estate market, while while it hasn't like, you know, ha had some sort of major crash, it's like, it's been a little bit more wobbly. How about sure. that? Yeah. Right? The market's been a little bit more wobbly, let's call it. So with that being the case, it just reminds me that that this idea of diversification has to be more than lip service, mm -hmm. right? So we've seen, as an example, we've seen multifamily real estate crushing it for years and years and years and years. Uh, we probably had a you know ten to fifteen year run there where you it was just you know relatively easy to produce mm -hmm. you know twenty percent type returns, right? 
Um, and, and so suddenly when things aren't going exactly the way we hope, like it can be a difficult, it can be a difficult thing to, to tolerate. So anyway, that was just kind of a riff on another, another thought I was having, but I just wanted to emphasize that make sure that you take it seriously because no asset is going to have an unlimited run. Mm -hmm. And while we want to take advantage of it to the extent we can now, I'll say this, if you're the person that goes in you know, eyes wide open and says, Hey, I want to get as much of the benefit of this as I possibly can realizing that toward the end of it, I could lose a little bit because I've gone so all in. Mm -hmm. If that's you, like I'm great with it. Be you, but don't be, don't be that person that's going all in. And then that's, you know, furious that they, that the returns didn't go exactly as you had planned. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll put that a different way. Go in, whatever you're going to invest in, identify the risks and be thorough, right? Identify the risks, understand it. And then that's how you go in with eyes wide open. And then that's also how you identify how you want to diversify. So you say, okay, well, these are the reasons why I want to invest in this particular asset. And I understand it comes with these risks. So let's look at other opportunities for assets that have opportunity as well. Um, but I'm, I'm shifting my risk when I invest with those so that at times when one is struggling, the, the rest of the portfolio hopefully is not struggling all at the same time. You've, you've diverse diversification, uh, is not just picking different assets, but it's understanding the risk of the different assets and, and diversifying your risk. Hmm. Okay, Rod, one of the other benefits, one of the probably the most significant benefits of hedge funds is the potential for higher returns. Now, of course, past performance is no guarantee of future results. We know that, but here's the deal. There is a reason why, like I talked about before, there's a reason why some of these funds are able to charge the fees that they are. The fact is, is that there have been many hedge funds that have performed at the levels that you would, that would be well worth paying the fees that are associated with it. Mm -hmm. Right. So from that standpoint, like there just absolutely legitimately is an opportunity for higher returns and you kind of have to, you know, the, the unique kind of cool part about hedge funds is that you're getting oftentimes like the most sophisticated highest level expertise of anyone in the world. Right. Yeah. So, you know, now again, that may or may not pay off all the time, but um, if you're considering doing it, that's kind of a framework to be thinking about. Okay. Rod, what's our next one? Uh, Well, we've kind of been hinting around this, but let's, let's hit it straight on. It's, it's access to specialized expertise. You are uh, tapping into the brain, the, the network, the, the expertise experience of uh, someone who knows what they're doing, has a track record, has the ability to go out and make really cool things happen. And I'll speak for myself. I can't do that. Right. Not, not in the way that the hedge fund managers are going to do. And so, and again, it's a similar thing that we talk about in terms of uh, investing in the jockey, Right. With syndications, we talk about this. The operator is the key because if you get the right operator, they're going to know the right properties. They're going to know the right circumstances, et cetera. 
to to uh, put put yourself in the best position possible. So similar thing here with with hedge fund, hedge fund managers. Okay, Rod. Well, you may not be, or you may not have the expertise to run a hedge fund, but I can attest that there's no one who can build a life insurance policy quite like you can. So if we do, <laughs> if we do a life insurance hedge fund, now then, we're talking. Then we can maybe start. Talking. Now we're talking. Okay, <laughs> I like it. Uh, okay, we talked. We've talked about this too. Advanced investment strategies. That's just. The idea that we're getting access to not just the expertise, but the actual strategies that mm -hmm. most investments aren't able to employ, whether it's because of regulation or whether it's because of expertise, um, whether it's technology, all of those things come into play. Uh, but it just gives hedge funds a unique advantage in that space. And again, uh, this is the ultra wealthy space. It's, it's weird, Rod. This just happens to be the case as normal, but the ultra wealthy tend to get the very best things. Is that weird? They have access to resources that we don't, right? And you've been hitting on this all along, but the technology part of it, I think, is huge because hedge funds can do something different today than they could have 10 years ago or 20 or 30 or 50 years ago just because of what computers uh technology in general and then ai i'm sure is is going to have you know make a difference on that as well so okay rod let's switch over and talk about some of the risks and criticisms associated with hedge funds these are things that we've been talking about but we're gonna like hit them right on the nose so let's start with the fee structure mm -hmm. fee structure while I personally don't view it as a negative, if I'm being totally honest. Um, again, my logic is simply that if they can perform, then I'm happy to pay someone that can perform. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of like if you're in the NBA, like if you want to get an NBA championship and have an incredible um, revenue stream coming in because your team's amazing, well, you got to pay the best players. That's just kind of the way it goes. That's yeah. kind of the way I view this. However, many people are not me, Rod, and would look at that and say, like, that's outrageous. Two and 20? Like, are you kidding me? There's, again, there's really nothing else quite like it that charges that kind of um, cost to get in. It just, yeah. but it just is the way it is. So now I'll also say there's been a bunch of criticism toward the, the model, which... Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know that there, uh, it feels like there's maybe a little bit of movement that's being made, but from what I can tell, most places are still doing Like most reputable places are still doing this two and 20. Mm -hmm. um, we'll see if over time that changes, but anyway, that's an interesting one. And I can at least understand why people would view that as a real negative. I mean, it gets into the, the kind of the greed factor, the, is this real kind of thing, you know, et cetera. So it, you know, it's up up to the, those who are investing in it to do the due diligence to make sure that they're comfortable with the the full package, right? You're going to pay the yeah. fees. Are you getting, you know, ethical and and just I again just if if the performance is solid and has been the track record is solid, then that says something, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. Rod, what are some other criticisms? Yeah, I mentioned earlier lack of transparency. 
Um, no, I think that's a big one though. Yeah. Um, I don't know how directly we've hit on it, but that for me is probably the, like the most challenging one, right? Just because there's this level of transparency that we get used to mm-hmm. the ability to like really see the ins and outs of what's happening on the back end. Um, and if we're investing in typical mutual funds, we've got, we've got more information about that fund than we could ever want through the ADB, right? Yep. Yep. Um, so it, it's just kind of an interesting element. I think that would, that could be one of the more difficult elements, just not knowing as much about the ins and outs of exactly what's happening and having then to rely on those people. Again, I, I don't know if that's a huge issue for me. And obviously it's not a huge issue for the trillions of dollars of money that are invested there. Yeah. But, but I could see how it certainly could be viewed as a criticism or a problem. Yeah. I think of it kind of like uh, when you vote someone into a political office, you're, you're looking at their track record. Like you're doing your best to understand that person and, and then, you know, make a vote. And in this case, you're making a vote on the hedge fund manager. Um, but you have less visibility in what they're doing or how they're doing it until, Hey, here's, here's the return, right? Yep. Here's the result. And Hey, I mean, at the end of the day, that's kind of what you're going out there expecting. And, and if mm-hmm. you're going and having someone else invest your money anyway, yeah. it's just, you know, it's a little bit of an additional layer of trust that exists, which right. you can probably overcome pretty easily if uh, they have track record. Okay. Yep. Rod leverage is a big one. I feel like they're putting out two lists of benefits, Rod. <laughs> Bene- like this to me, this is huge. I, I, I say that jokingly kind of, because we always talk about leverage as one of the most effective, most powerful wealth building um, tools that we have available to us. And this is obviously unique because they're adding leverage to a fund, which, you know, with you, if you get it, if you get leverage in the right hands, the right mutual fund or the right fund manager hands, like I could spell some good stuff happening. Yeah. So anyway, think- for me, it's, I like it. Yeah, and I think it goes back to what we were talking about a minute ago, and and you you were just saying the same thing, that you as the as the limited partner, you're not deciding how much leverage gets used. The the hedge fund manager is doing that. So it's in some ways it's kind of like out of your hands, and yet you can look at track record, you can you whatever, and and then you're putting your trust in in them to what they do, but. But the, the point is, the fact is, the reason why it, it's on this list of, of risks is that if they over leverage, drive things to the ground, then that would obviously be very bad. That would be. And you probably have to go into an investment like this, knowing that there's the possibility of losing some or potentially even significant amounts of your yeah. money. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I view that, Rod, I still just view that as a benefit because leverage drives returns in a unique way that we just can't get otherwise. I love it. I love it. Okay, Rod, a couple more things. We've got lockup periods, which we hit on before. This one's obvious, right? Like, like there's not really any benefit to lockup periods. It's just, we have less access to our money than we might otherwise like to have. So lockup periods are a reasonable criticism or concern. Is that fair? Yeah, and again, I you you may or may not have any say in in or, or anticipation of you know what those might be at any given time, right? 
Okay, Rod, I have another one. So the last thing I wanted to hit on is this idea of systemic risk, mm -hmm. but but more so, I actually I'm thinking about it from like an ethical standpoint. Okay. So what do you think? And uh, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but knowing that the ultra wealthy are really the only the only people, and again, um, ultra wealthy and um, why can't I think of the other words? Institutional. I kept thinking commercial and I was like, that's not the right word. Institutional money um, and high net worth are really the only people who have access to it. And Rod, it has a huge impact on overall markets and trends. Mm -hmm. I just had this thought in my mind, like, would it bother you to be a hedge fund investor knowing that you might be like kind of you're expanding that gap between the ultra wealthy and just the rest of people. Yeah. Well, there, there is a, a huge conversation out there about that. And this is where you see some of the, the highest net worth people pledging to give away, you know, X percentage of their net worth or whatever, um, because of exactly what you're saying. Like, should I shouldn't say should? Is it right that that so much of of the wealth is in so few hands? And again, there are many, many out there who would say, "Well, no, that that's not right. Uh, that should be like with that kind of of power comes responsibility, and part of that responsibility is to look out for others." And so, anyway, there's yeah, I, I'm not here to make a okay, definitive, okay. you know. But, but that's, uh, a, I mean, I, I can see where, at least personally, I, I want to go out and help people, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah. you know. Well, and here's the deal, though. Let's, there's, there's multiple ways to look at it. What if I'm able to invest in hedge funds, make more money, and can do more good by helping more people, right? Yeah. yeah. So there's different ways to look at it. But I just thought it was kind of, it just, as we were talking about it, it came to my mind. Um, okay, Rod. Can I just be really clear on something though? As a free market no. capitalist, I don't feel like I need to point to someone else and say, you have to do this with your wealth. Right. That's where. Thank, thank that's you where for clarifying. A, a thing that, if anyone heard this and thought, oh my goodness, Rod is not a capitalist. I cannot work with this guy. <laughs> then uh, I assure you, Rod is a capitalist. Just cleared it. Clarify things. <laughs> Okay, Rod. Well, this has been a fun conversation. I think we yeah. kind of hit on the, you know, we hit on what it is. We talked about the overall pros and cons and some stuff in between. Um, I enjoyed it. Is there anything else you want to hit on before we call it? No, I think I'm good. Okay. Well, thanks everybody for hanging out with us today. Um, maybe as a quick ask, go give us a five-star review on Apple. We've been stuck at the same number for a little bit. We need to like, we need to get that thing pumping up again. So if you get a second to, and you have not yet, go give us a five-star review. Thanks everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Money Insights Podcast. To learn more about the financial and business strategies discussed in this show, please visit moneyinsights.net. The views and opinions expressed on the Money Insights Podcast are not intended to be individual financial, tax, or legal advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making financial decisions. And if you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This will help others find the show and learn wealth-building strategies for themselves. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.